the title of my sermon is The Gift of God's Word, and I hope you view the Bible as a gift uh, from the Lord. Who's familiar with Psalm 119? Who's read it? Who's studied it? Okay. Uh, we'll talk about how it's structured. We'll talk about themes. But this is a, it's a piece of art. I mean, it really is. If you know what an acrostic is, and I'll get there soon. Here's the big idea. God's Word is to be read, okay, treasured, yes, and obeyed. God's Word is to be read, treasured, and obeyed. I think I've shared this story before, um, but it just it makes the point. When I was teaching in Cameroon, I was in Cameroon in 2010, uh, teaching at Cameroon Baptist Theological Seminary. It's in Africa. And I was there for six months, and I taught Hebrew and uh, classes on the Gospels, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, uh, Hebrew exegesis, Exodus. It was busy. But, and I youth pastor when I was there too. But I had this one student, and his name was Godlove. And Godlove was crippled. Um, Godlove would always sit. I had him for Gospels. He would sit at the front of the class, and he would just soak it up. And if you looked at his Bible, and this was not uncommon uh, with this group of students, is his Bible was missing pages. It was missing uh, the cover. There was duct tape. I mean, it looked old and tattered, but it looked well-read. And so what I did is over the course of my time there, as an incentive, I told my st- I brought several books with me. I, I brought probably 15, 20 books with me, uh, commentaries, uh, biblical theologies, study Bibles, things that I knew I would need while there, uh, you know, Greek lexicon, things like that. And I had my study Bible, and um, I told his class, I said, hey, listen, um, at the end of, of the year, I'm going to be gifting books in my study Bible to students who, who work hard, who make, you know, high marks. Uh, you know, there's papers that were written. And, and Godlove was a great student. He really was. And so um, at the end of the year, I invited him to my little hut, my little house where I lived, and uh, I made him some tea. And uh, we just hung out. And I said, hey, brother, I, I want to give you something. And uh, I just I said, man, you've been such a joy to teach this year. I love your passion for Jesus. I love your heart for God's word. I love the fact that you want to be a pastor. I want to give you my study Bible. And you would think I gave him the world. He began to weep uncontrollably. It was like I gave him gold. You know, I mean, we, we could go buy six different kinds of study Bibles right now in the book nook. Um, I, I've never seen someone so overjoyed by a gift, honestly. And I thought, man, I, I was convicted in that moment. I, I really was, because I love the Bible, but he loves the Bible. Man. He treasures the Word of God. He knew it, he loved it, and he saw this as just an incredible resource. Um, I want to say more, let me leave it at that, because we'll get into a lot tonight. But what a blessing to see that passion and love for the Scriptures. Uh, may we love the Word of God like God love. Isn't that a cool name too? God love, that was his name. So, um, Psalm 119. I'm just going to start. Are you ready? Follow along. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart, When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O God, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. The blessing, this blessing has fallen to me, that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart 
I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forgotten your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up, that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. 
I am your servant. Give me understanding, that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I'm small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Praise God for his word. Isn't that good? Oh. I'm not sure how long that took, but. Anybody time it? It's about 15. 
That's it, 12 minutes. Wow, thank you, brother. Was it like a rain man, just you just 12 minutes, or you, okay, okay. Well, let's talk about this beautiful psalm. It's obvious that the subject of this psalm is the Word of God. It is a hymn of praise directed to God for His Word, the gift of His Word. Now, as far as type, it's a wisdom psalm because, again, it's about God's law, but it's also a praise psalm, right? The psalmist is praising God for His what? His Word. Now, it's an acrostic, and and if you're not familiar with this, uh, if you've studied poetry, so there are 22 stanzas, and if you look at your English translation, you'll see the Hebrew alphabet, right? Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalp, Hey, all the way to Tau. And so, 22 stanzas, one stanza stanza for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, uh, eight lines per stanza, and every stanza, each line begins with that letter from the alphabet. So, Aleph, Beit. And so, I mean, you, you go through the Hebrew. Why would you do that? I mean, that just sounds like a pain. You have to come up with words that begin with the same letter. You do that for eight lines, and then you go to the next letter, and you do it for the next eight lines, and you go to the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and you got to do it eight more times. Why do that? Why go through all the trouble? Well, one, it's not trouble because it's inspired of God. It's His Word. It's cathartic. It's exhaustive, but not in a bad way, right? The the point is this. God's Word covers everything from A to Z. God's Scripture is sufficient. That's the point of the acrostic. It covers everything. God's Word covers everything. It is sufficient for everything. We don't need anything else but His Word. Now, of course, the focal point of Psalm 119 is the Word of God. And again, I promised you we'd answer four questions this evening. Number one, what is it? What is it? I mean, when we gather every Sunday, we gather to hear the Word. What is this book? Number two, what does it do? Number three, how should we respond to it? And number four, who does it point to? All right, so the first question is, what is it? What is the Word of God? Well, the psalmist uses eight different words, synonyms, throughout to help his readers see the multifaceted uses of the Scriptures. Namely, what it is. And what is it? What are some of the words that we heard? Law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, ordinances, word, and promise. Again, what is it? And here's where you're going to have to just write fast, okay? If you're going to fill in the blanks, what is it? First, it's his instruction. It's his instruction. Psalm 119, verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Now, the word for counselors is etzah. Everybody say etzah. Good. It's used in 1 Kings 2, I'm sorry, 1 Kings 12, verse 14, and it's used in reference to wise men or counselors. So where do you go to look for counsel? Where's that coming from? Is it up here? Oh, it's I'm sorry, it's a phone. Okay, I thought no, it's okay, Dave. <laughs> 
where do we go to look for counsel? We should look no further than what? The Word of God, the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 102, I do not turn aside from your rules. And so, again, what is it? It is His instruction. Why? You've taught me. Psalm 119, 102, I don't turn aside from your rules. Why? Because you've taught me. From what has the Lord taught the psalmist? From His Word, His rules. Next, it's precious and valuable. It's precious and valuable. Psalm 119, verse 72, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Why is this? Why is God's Word valuable? If you ask God, love, why do you carry that book around everywhere you go, God, love? I mean, everywhere he went, he had his Bible. Why? Because in it, we have the promises of God. We have his will revealed. We have his instruction. We have the way of wisdom. We have his character on display. We could go on and on. That's why it's valuable. Amen? There's nothing more valuable than the word of God. Number three, again, what is it? Okay, so it's his instruction. It's precious and valuable. It's inherently valuable. Amen? Number three, it's true. <laughs> it's truth. Psalm 119, verse 151. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Psalm 119, verse 160. The sum of your word is truth. God's word can be trusted because it is it's true. God's word the Bible corresponds to reality. It helps us to make sense of the world. Next, it's good. What is it? What is this book? It's good. It's really good. Psalm 119, verse 39, Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Next, it's sufficient. And that is the point of the acrostic. Again, this is a work of art. This is a masterpiece. This was not easy to do, and it's hard to appreciate in the English, but I've read it in the Hebrew. And again, I promise, every stanza, right? Every line in every stanza begins with the same letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes to the entire alphabet. The point is, God's Word covers everything from A to Z. It is sufficient. Psalm 119, verse 130. Oh, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. It's good news for me. Psalm 119, verse 96. I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Everything we need to know about God for life, for salvation, is found where? It's found in God's Word. There's this sense that for the psalmist, God's word is all that he needs. That's all I need. I'm not looking to the world. I'm not looking to the wisdom of the world. I just need to be informed by this, this book. Can you relate to that, I wonder? It's so easy, again, to... What are people reading today? Who are people listening to? Oh, where did you hear that? Man, as Christians, where should we go every time when faced with any decision? Where should we look first and always? The Scriptures, because it's sufficient. Next, it's His promise. If you're taking notes, next, it's His promise. Is anybody behind? Do I need to go start over really fast? That's fine. Okay, okay, good. Um, 
It's his instruction, number one. Number two, it's precious and valuable. Number three, it's true. Next, it's good. It's sufficient. It's his promise. Psalm 119, verse 58. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. God's word contains his promises, his saving promises. And this segues nicely into our next point. So it's his promise next. It's covenantal. Now, what does that mean? The Bible is a covenant document. What's a covenant? Well, it's a relationship of sorts. And if, if you've been following along in Exodus, God enters into a covenant with Israel, right? He saves them and he enters into a relationship with them. And I talked about the, the historical background, right? So in, ancient, in the ancient Near East, what would happen is you would have the suzerain. And this is the big, mighty king, right? The powerful king. He's got a big army. And then out here, you'd have like an outlier, like a smaller kingdom. And, and, and they're in trouble because they're surrounded by enemy nations. And the big king comes to the rescue. And he saves the smaller king in his kingdom. And he, he brings them into his kingdom for a relationship. And there are benefits and there's blessings, but there's conditions. If you're going to be a part of this kingdom, there's rules you've got to follow. And if you break those rules, you're going to get kicked out, right? And so God saves Israel by His grace. He saves them for a relationship, but then He gives them His law. And the law shows them how to live in a right relationship with Him vertically, but also horizontally with each other. The Bible is a covenant document. We can relate to God through His Word. He speaks to us through His Word. He initiates the relationship through His Word. Next, it's enduring. Enduring. Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. God's Word endures forever. Why don't we look elsewhere? Because these are timeless truths. Amen? They're forever true. Psalm 119, verse 152 Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Next, it's an extension of his character. What is it? What is the Bible? What is the Word of God? What are the Scriptures? It is an extension of his character. Psalm 119, verse 137, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. What does that mean? How do we know God's righteous? Because His Word is righteous. And He reveals His righteousness through His righteous Word. God reveals Himself in His Word and all God's people said. I mean, what we know about God, we know from Scripture. Now, we can look at creation as well and say, wow, that's big. God must be big. That's vast. God must be vast. It's beautiful. God must be beautiful. But, you know, we can't get saved through that knowledge. We have to have Scripture And what we know about God in Scripture is that He is faithful and kind and just and holy and merciful and loving. Next, it's an act of His love. Scripture is an act of His love. Psalm 119, verse 41. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. God demonstrates His love for us by giving us the gift of His what? He gives us His word. It's proof. The Word of God is proof that He wants us to know Him. He wants to be known. He wants us to know His will. 
that which pleases Him. And again, if we want to know His will, where do we go? We go to the Word. The Word is our connection to the Lord. Why does the psalmist love the Word so much? Isn't it obvious from this? I mean, if you were listening carefully, if you spaced out, I can't help you, I'm sorry. So I'm not sorry, that was your fault, right? But if you were listening carefully, it's obvious. This is a love poem to God for the gift of His what? Of His Word. But why does He love the Word so much? And He doesn't make a distinction between the Lord and His Word. He knows the Lord through His Word. The Lord speaks to him through his word. What he knows about God's beautiful character, he knows through his word. I'm not saying that we worship the Bible. That's not what the psalmist is doing here. He's saying, Lord, I love your word so much. I treasure it more than anything else. I will never forget it. It comforts me. It guides me. It even gives me life because you are working through your word. You speak through your word. You reveal yourself through your word. Mark Dever says, God's word led his people. The Torah, which just means law, the Torah shaped God's people and made them his. All right, so we've answered the question, what is it? Next, what does it do? What does the word of God do? First, it instructs. It instructs. It teaches. It instructs. Psalm 119.66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Psalm 119.104, through your precepts I get understanding. Not only does it instruct, but it next, it guides. God's word guides. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thirdly, it imparts wisdom. If you want to get wise, get the word. <laughs> I once did a sermon series to the Proverbs, and uh, the series title was Wisdom, Get Some. If you want to get some wisdom, where do you go? Go to Proverbs. Go to the word. It imparts wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 98, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Psalm 119, verse 130, the unfolding of your light, I'm sorry, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Next, it helps us overcome sin. What does the word do? It helps us overcome sin. It helps us. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? And then if you go two verses more, I've hidden your word in my heart, verse 11. Why? that I might not sin against you. And if you go all the way to Psalm 119, verse 175, let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. Let them help me. So God's word, it helps us to overcome sin. It helps us. Do you, this is, again, rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you wish to make war against your sin? Or do you want to revel in your sin? Well, if you're a believer, you would say, I want to make war against my sin. Take up the sword, the sword of the Spirit. Try and do that without the Word of God. And what's going to happen? Nothing. You're going to get smoked. Okay? To try to make war on sin without the Word of God is to reject God's primary resource for helping us be holy. Amen? We need the Word. Next, it gives life. 
Oh, it gives life. Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Pray this prayer, please. And give me life in your ways. Psalm 119, verse 93. I will never forget your precepts. Why? You have the word key in Hebrew. For or because by them you've given me life. I'll never forget your precepts, the psalmist says. Why? Because by them you've given me what? You've given me life. When we fix our eyes on God's Word, we are in turn fixing our eyes on the giver of life, the author of life. To look away from the Word of God is to look toward death. Life is found in the Word of God. Now, this is not keep God's Word and you will have eternal life. None of us can do that. It's true. But one has. <laughs> and it's through Him that we have life. It's more, it's more the sense of True life, vitality, is found in God's Word and bringing our lives in line with God's Word. It's understanding that the Lord gives life through His Word. Recall Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And then if you, if you read John 6, another long chapter in the Bible... Jesus teaches on some difficult things. He tells those who are following him to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And a large group following him, they disperse, they leave because his teaching was so difficult. And then Jesus looks to the disciples and says, hey, are you guys going to peace out as well? Are you going to follow? And Peter says, to whom shall we go or where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Life-giving words. It's through hearing the gospel word that sinners by the Spirit are brought from death to life. His Word is the means by which He gives life. Every sinner turned saint by God's grace. How did it happen? You heard the Word. And the Spirit worked through the Word, opening your eyes to see, I'm a sinner and I need the Savior. There is no life, spiritual life, without the Word. Amen? Next, it comforts. Oh, it comforts. What does it do? It comforts us in our affliction and suffering. Psalm 119, verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. I have quite a few here that I want to read. Verse 76. I don't guess I've got to keep saying Psalm 119. I can just say verse 76. I could have said a little time. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Oh, that's pretty sweet. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Um, I know all of us have suffered in some way, Right? And I can say from personal experience, were it not for God's word, his comforting word, my wife and I wouldn't have made it. Where did we go when we lost Abigail? Where did we go? We went to the word. We lived in the Psalms and God comforted us. His word was a healing balm upon our hearts. And where do we continue to go? We continue to go to his word. Where do you look in the midst of pain, 
suffering, and hardship. Again, there is no greater healing balm for the broken heart than the Word of God. Amen? Lastly, before moving on to our next point, our next question, it gives peace. It gives peace. Verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. You need peace? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. The last part of that verse, 165, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. That's pretty sweet. All right, so the first question was, what is it? We answered that. What does it do? We've answered that. Number three, how should we respond to it? Hopefully you want to, right? I mean, you you see what it is. You see what it does. It's good. It's good. It does good. Man, how should we respond to it? What what do we learn from Psalm 119? Again, knowing what God's Word is, knowing what God's Word does, how should we respond? Number one, we are to delight in it. We are to delight in it. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. We are to delight in it. There's joy in both having it, and as you'll see later on, there's joy in doing it. Number two, we're to love it. We're to love it. This represents a deeper response than delight. To to love God's Word is to treasure it. Verse 47, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 127, Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. There's nothing more precious than your Word. Verse 159, he says, Consider how I love your precepts. Verse 132, turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. There's a direct correlation between our love for God and our love for his word. How dare we say, God, I love you, but I don't have time for your word. That doesn't fly. I mean, what does Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You better love my word. (laughs) God reveals himself through his word. We know him by his word. He strengthens us by his word. He comforts us by his word. He gives us peace through his word. How dare we say, well, God, we love you, but we don't have time for this. I treasure other things more than this. That doesn't work. Do you love God? And I hope all of you would say yes. Evidence of love for God is a love for his word. Next, we are to practice it. How should we respond to it? Well, we delight in it, we love it, and we practice it. The Word of God is meant to be done. What do I do with it? You you do it, (laughs) right? What do I do with this book? You obey it. You do it. Now, different verbs are used to make this point, right? Do and, and keep. Those who delight in God's Word and love it are those who do it. Recall the warning from James 1, 22 to 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we're to practice it. Where do we see that in Psalm 119? Verse 112. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Not just when I feel like it, but for all times. Verse 166, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. Verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Listen to the psalmist's prayer in verse 34. Why does he desire to understand God's word? Give me understanding. Why? So that I might know more than everybody else? So that I might look really intelligent? So that I might impress others? No, that's not what he says. Give me understanding that I may keep it and observe it with my whole heart. And again, that verb there, to observe, means to do. That I might do it. Next, so we're to practice it. Next, we are to meditate on it. And again, this is a huge theme in the Psalms. Psalm 1 the wise, blessed man, the righteous man, he meditates on God's law day and night. It's a huge theme in Psalm 119. Now, what does this mean to meditate? Think about how this is related to what we've seen already in Psalm 119. What you delight in, that which gives you joy, possesses your thoughts, right? I mean, you think about it. That which you delight in, that which you love, you find yourself thinking about. It's true. Guys, I mean, when you met your wife, hopefully you were thinking about her in a pure way, but you're, man, I can't wait to hear her voice again. I can't wait to see her. I mean, when I, when I met Haley, I was smitten. I've shared the story. I, after the first date, I knew I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to marry that girl. It's a song. Anyways, and I did. But I thought about her. I couldn't wait to spend more time with her. That which you love, that which your heart finds delight in, you think about. You think about. And that which you think about, you do. <laughs> you do. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Verse 48. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. <laughs> I love it. Therefore, I think about it all day. Now, to meditate, there's a couple of words in the Hebrew, but the one used here is si chach. Si chach. Everybody say it. I'm just kidding. I have to say it. It, it means to be concerned with, to, to occupy your attention, your thoughts with, to think about deeply. How often do you find yourself thinking deeply about God's Word? How often do the Scriptures occupy your thoughts? When you're thinking through a difficult decision, men, when you're seeking to lead your family well, how often is the Word of God the first place your mind goes? Does the Word occupy your attention? Now, memorizing Scripture is one way to grow in this area, right? I mean, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you, but 
There he's talking about memorizing the Word, knowing it deep down. There's no greater place to fix your thoughts than the Word of God. Next, we're to hope in it. We're to hope in it. What do you hope in? What, what is your hope tethered to? What grounds your hope? What anchors it? What do you build your hope upon? I mean, we all build our lives on something. What do you build your hope on? The verb to hope carries the idea of waiting for something to happen. But it's, it's trust. It's trust. The biblical idea is deeper than that, right? To, to hope is to have assurance to know. God promises to do something and He, he does it. He's faithful. Where do we find God's promises? Where? Where do we find His fulfillment? In the Word. Where are you currently anchoring your hope? Again, there's no surer foundation than the Word of God. I mean, that's what Jesus is getting at at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew 7, verses 24, 25, 26, 27, He talks about the wise man who built his house on a rock. Is Hey, those of you who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the storms came, the wind blew, the rain beat, but the house stood because it had as its foundation the rock. And in that analogy or illustration or parable, what is the rock? It's Christ and His Word. We're to hope in it. Verse 43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope, my hope, my hope is in your rules. Verse 49, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Verse 81, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. Next, we're to praise God for it. And that's really what Psalm 119 is. It's a psalm of praise to God for His word. We're to praise God for it. And this is where the psalm ends. Verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Why does he praise the Lord? He praises him for or because of his righteous rules. Verse 171, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. How often do you praise God for the gift of his word? You know, Paul gets at this in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness. Praise God for that. It's a gift. Amen? You want to be trained, corrected, rebuked? You want to be righteous? Next, this psalm should affect the way we pray. This psalm should affect the way we pray. Not only do we praise God in prayer for His Word, but we should pray, Lord, teach me Your statutes. I think for probably 15 years now, whenever, and I read, I read my Bible every day, but I always begin with verse 18 of Psalm 119. Oh Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things in Your law. I've been doing that probably 15 years now. And it's not just rote. It's not just, okay. I mean, I really think, okay, God, I need your help here. Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things in your word. Again, this psalm should affect the way we pray. Lord, teach me your statutes. Verse 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. 
Father, help me to long for your word more each and every day. Maybe you struggle getting into the word. Maybe you can honestly say, I don't, I don't treasure it the way I should. Pray, Father, help me to treasure it, to long to be in it. Pray, pray verse 131. Write this down. Verse 131. I open my mouth and pant because I long. It's much like Psalm 42, right? As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for you. Verse 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Next, we're to be word-centered. Hopefully you saw this. In the 12 minutes we spent reading through, or I spent reading through, you followed me, so you read too, Psalm 119. The psalmist orients his life around the Word of God. It's everything to him. Amen? It's everything to him. We see this in how the psalmist prays, especially, and this struck me years ago when I studied through Psalm 119. It affects the way he prays, especially in regard to his well-being. Why does he pray for God to preserve his life? Because he loves this life so much? No, so that he has more time to obey the Lord, more time to honor him by keeping his word. Check this out. This is really cool. This is an utterly selfless prayer. This is God-centered praying. Verse 117, Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. (laughs) Verse 134, Redeem me from man's oppression. Why? So that I can be safe and enjoy my safe life? No, that I may keep your precepts. (laughs) Do we pray that way? I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. Save me that I may what? Observe your testimonies. Keep your precepts. Have regard for your statutes. What are we to make of this? That's radical praying, by the way. The psalmist has one single undivided purpose, and it's to live for the glory of God by keeping his word all the days of his life. May that be our heart, our prayer, our single focus as a church to keep his word for his glory. Every day is an opportunity to obey him, to follow his word, and bring him honor because he's worthy. All right, the last question. We got three minutes. Oh, goodness. Who does it point to? And the answer is, all right, let's go home. Not so fast. Now, none of us, after reading Psalm 1, now be honest, none of us, after reading Psalm 119, can say, yes, that describes me 100% of the time. It's not that we don't obey God's word, right? I mean, we do. Hopefully, as Christians, we obey God's word, but we do it imperfectly. However, there is one who has done it perfectly. Now, I'm indebted to, to Mark Dever on this. I was at um, a pastor's conference at MacArthur's church nine years ago, and uh, Endeavor preached on Psalm 119, and he actually read the entire thing as well. I thought that was pretty cool. He didn't tell us he was going to do that. He just started reading, and after about 15 verses, I looked at a friend and said, he's going all the way. He could go all the way, and he did. He did. Who does it point to? Well, who walked blamelessly? Did you? Have I? No but who did? Psalm 119, verses 1 to 3, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Twice in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
the Father says that He is well pleased with the Son. Who taught with unprecedented authority? I don't. None of us have. Psalm 119, verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Throughout Mark's gospel, the response from the crowds is this. You, you teach unlike our teachers of the law, right? You teach with exousia, authority, power. Mark 1.22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. <laughs> A lot better than those guys. Who wept over Jerusalem? Verse 136, my, uh, man, I love 136. My eyes shed streams of tears. Why? Because people do not keep your law. Luke 19, verses 41 to 42. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus saying, would that you even knew, even you, would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Who suffered for the sake of righteousness? Verse 69, the insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Mark 14, verse 56, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Who stayed true to their mission? Never faltered once. Who stayed true to the end, to their mission? It's the same answer every time, friends. Verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Mark 14, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Christ, Jesus, kept the law perfectly for us. For Not only did He die for us, but He lived for us as well. And He further gives us the Spirit. Those who trust in Jesus have the Spirit so that we might say with the psalmist in verse 112, I... I incline my heart to perform your statutes to the end. So what should we do? What should we do? As a church, as God's people, we must be people of the book, people of the word. The church will not grow without a steady diet of the word. My thumbs are not green. They're more camo colored. I wish they were more green. I like to plant gardens. Um, I like to grow food at our house. We've been doing it a couple of years now. And in Washington, we had raised beds. But what do gardens need? What do plants need to grow? They need water and good soil and sunlight. What do we need, church, to grow? We need the Word of God. Amen? We need it. And now that we know what the Word is, what it does, what it calls for, and who it points to, may our passion for reading it and studying it and memorizing it and doing it be reignited by the Spirit of God. Do you love the Word of God? Do you love it? Is there anything like it? I did this sermon on New Year's Day for a reason, um, talking about good habits, talking about spiritual disciplines, and I was in Psalm 119, right, verses 9 to 16, and the emphasis was the Word of God, right, reading it and praying it 
and memorizing it. How are we doing? How's that going? I'm, I'm just asking. Are we in the Word? If you're not, get in the Word. If you need help finding a plan, come see me. We sent one out. We sent multiple plans out. But again, commit to reading it. Commit to getting with somebody else, either in a home group or one-on-one, to study it. Come here every Sunday to hear it. But make sure you're reading it. You're reading it. And even commit to memorizing it. How do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? Again, we're not saved by how much Bible we read. We're saved to read the Bible, I would say. We're saved by trusting in Jesus. Amen? But who wants to grow in their relationship with Jesus? Hopefully all of us. In order to grow, we need to be in the Word. So get in the Word. Get in the Word. Um, how might we pray Psalm 119? I'm going to go through the whole thing. I'm just kidding. That would be, yeah. Here's a sample prayer. And I'll put this in your handout as well. And then we'll be done. And I went four minutes over. So lo siento. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to love it the way the psalmist does. Help us to hide it in our hearts. Help us to treasure it immensely. Help us to share it with others. We thank you that you reveal your character to us in your word. We thank you that you reveal Christ in your word. We thank you that you give us the spirit so that we can both understand and obey your word. Rule over us by your mighty word and all for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Why is the word beautiful? Because in the word, Christ is revealed. So trust in him and grow in him by reading his word.